Welcome back to Halford and Bruffier Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer uh, today. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise. Add a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? I'm having a texture. Kintech! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. I'm Thank having you. a ha ha ha. I'm having a a, a texter uh, accuse me of never laughing. Okay, I don't think that's true. I think I laugh I think a I've lot heard, on the show. You laugh, right? You laugh once in a while. It's, Some, it's so, jarring and strange, but you is do it laugh. really? Do no, I not I'm laugh kidding. enough? You I thought, I, I, yeah, you laugh a lot. Yeah, you I have like big. I have like yeah, I have like big ha ha laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This texture's just trying to get in your head, man. He's in my head now. Now yeah. I'm going to be laughing at everything. I'm like, ah! Every time you <laughs> laugh, every time laughs. you laugh now, you'll be thinking about this Totally. Guy. And it'll yeah. be like a fake laugh. And then people will be like, <laughs> why is he, oh, he, just, why is he pretending to laugh like that? Here? What's this wrong is, with this, this guy? very weird. Uh, we now go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. Canucks in Colorado today to play the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, now joining us, he does the Avalanche post game on Altitude 92.5 FM. He is, he is Alex uh, Ryan Niemi. Alex, thanks for doing this today. How are you? Fellows doing well. Thanks for having me on. If you need a chuckle, just look at the abs goaltending. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, we got a lot of laughs from the, uh, in a way, from the wild uh, Canucks game last night. I don't know if you saw that. 10-7, the final score. So the Canucks trying to turn the page, but always a tough test to go into Colorado. And, you know, I look at the avalanche. There's no doubting the talent at the top of the lineup. You know, McKinnon, Hart Trophy contender, McCarr, perennial Norris contender, at the same time, I don't know if you'd look at it and say at any stretch of this season that they've been, you know, a clear top three or anything team in the NHL. How would you assess the Avalanche's season so far? Yeah, it's been up and down. It's been a roller coaster season where you think that they've gotten out of the muck and then they drop three straight games. You think they've gotten out of the muck and then they do what they did on the road trip, um, only finding a way to get three points out of a possible 12 on a season long six gamer. But um, as you said, it, it's really tough for teams to play at Ball Arena. Is it the altitude? Is it just the fact that they've got a, a pretty darn good team uh, when they're healthy? They've got the best points percentage at home in the league right now, so I think it's just home cooking right now that's uh, that's helping them out. It, unfortunately, as it stands, unless they go on a heater, they might be playing a lot of their playoff games, especially if they end up getting past mm. the first round unlike last season, they'll be playing those big-time games on the road as it goes right now. It's been it's been frustrating, although it's been a delight to watch Nathan McKinnon be the best player on planet Earth um, all season long. Before we get back into the abs, you mentioned it. Guys, what the hell happened last <laughs> night in that Minnesota game? We're trying to figure it out ourselves, exactly. I think Rick Tockett is trying to figure it out. I think the Canucks players are trying to figure it out. Because the wild thing is, like the Canucks have been so defensively sound and so adept at avoiding meltdowns like that this year. And then they had the meltdown to end all meltdowns against the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple of 9-2 games two nights ago, yeah. and then I opened up my app last night. I was like, there's 17 goals scored. What? Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah I, I didn't expect it to happen from Vancouver. Obviously, Demko is not in net, so uh, that's good to save his save percentages, goals against. That, that guy... 
I mean, it, it's either him or Hellebuck for the Vezina this year, and that's what scares me the most as as the guy who covers the Avs is that you've got two of the hottest netbinders in the league that you're going to have to get through this year if you want to get back on top and win another Stanley Cup championship. It's uh, it's Demko, it's Hellebuck, and then mm-hmm. if Aiden Hill can stay healthy, it's Aiden Hill in Vegas. So, like, unless the Avs find a way to get somewhat competent goaltending down the or down the stretch run, I, I can't I can't sit here like I did two years ago and say like, good luck beating Colorado. That's a sick joke. You actually think you're going to get through them in a seven game series? Uh, unless they get the goaltending, I don't know if I can sit here and say the Avs are, are hoisting a cup again. Well, I know there's been a lot of talk about the Avs potentially going out and making a move for a second-line center at some point, which makes sense when you look at the depth chart. I mean, do you think there's a chance they try to to make a move to address the goaltending situation before the deadline? I mean, I, I think they're, they're kind of set with Georgiev as their one, but I'd like them to go get a 1B. It just depends on like how many arrows are in the quiver that you can actually go out there and uh, and set at the trade deadline with with obviously the, the market that was set by Vancouver going out in that Lindholm deal, which mm-hmm. has been wonderful for the Canucks so far. Like Colorado can't match that right now. If you look at what they have, they don't have a second this year. They don't have a third this year. They don't have a second in 2025. And and what we know from two seasons ago is that they kind of gutted their farm system to go after that championship. Luckily, they got players in Lekkanen and Manson that are still here in the fold, but. Uh, as a result, you don't really have top-end prospects. It, it also helps that you've been one of the best teams in the league for the past five, six years that you're you know, selecting deeper in the first round, that you don't really have those top, those blue-chip guys to, to offer on the table. I don't think they can go out and get a starter, but I do think that they can go out and, and kick the, the tires on a Jake Allen. They can see like if Minnesota falls out of the playoff race by the time March 8 rolls around, why not see if you can get Marc-Andre Fleury to come over and see if he can chase another cup. I, I'd like to see a leader like that in the room. Obviously, Gabe Landeskog hasn't been with this team uh, for the better part of two seasons. I think bringing in a, a bona fide locker room staple in Fleury would be awesome. But I don't think it's for a 1A position. I think it'd be a 1B spot. If you look what the Avs did two years ago, they had to get six quality starts from Pavel Francouz in the postseason to go on that 16-4 and run. God forbid that happens again this year. The backup goaltending situation in Colorado is not tenable right now. They won't get out of the West. Well, tell us a bit more uh, about the goaltending situation because for those that haven't followed Colorado all that closely, they may not know that there is a bit of a goaltending crisis in Colorado. Yeah, it's the the goal saved above average is the big thing, and the goals against average is, uh, is what's getting a lot of people in a tizzy out here with Alexander Georgiev. I, I think he's good enough, and especially for the money, right? Like, he's sub $4 million. There's not a lot of starters in this league that are making that type of money, and it allows the abs uh, with all of their – their their top end pro or players in in McCarr and Rant and McKinnon were making a bunch of money this year. It allows you to kind of navigate these waters um, a, a little bit a little bit easier. What they need him to be is Darcy Kemper from two years ago, which is like two point six five to two point eight GAA and a nine hundred to nine ten save percentage. He's underneath both of those. He's got a north of a I think he's got like a three point or three point oh four goals against right now and an eight nine seven save percentage. And he's played more than than pretty much any other goaltender in the league. That's the big issue. Is that I, I think the organization sees, and unfortunately, the Pavel Francouz injury at the beginning of the season kind of screwed them. Was the organization is playing Georgiev so much, and I think that they're they're a little bit nervous about it. 
he's going back to the point where like he might play Martin Broder levels of games this year where he's getting 68 starts and you just don't see that happen anymore. Um, I think he can do it. I think he's good enough. Obviously he was the incumbent when, when Lundquist was leaving New York and they found that diamond in the rough and you were Shesterkin. They kind of had to move Georgiev out of there. I think he's good enough. I just haven't seen the consistency this year. Obviously it's, I wouldn't say it's early, but I don't, I, I don't need Georgiev playing his best hockey right now. They need that to happen in, in mid April. So uh, remains to be seen. I just think their bed's made with it. Um, the Ryan Johansson edition has not worked out. Oh no. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't. Um, what is the plan to, I I mean, is, is, is like all the talk about Adam Henrique because, you know, there aren't many centers that are rentals that are available really. Um, or does the management go after a center with term, perhaps a guy that we didn't know was on the market or, or you know, didn't know was available. Like, is there could there be a surprise coming ahead of the trade deadline? Uh, there, there certainly could be. Again, if you look at what Chris McFarlane and Joe Sakic like to do, they're not big rental guys. They never have been. Like the big rental that Sakic went out and get got years ago was Mikel Boddicker, and it was a complete dud. And it, it might have been a little bit of a reach then when Sakic tried to trade for him. But what they've done recently is, especially with Lekkinen and, and Manson, you're going out and getting guys who either have term or team control and RFA status. Uh, and I think there's a guy who's had his name floated around here who's on a team who has a glut of young center talent and is underperforming due to expectation this year. That's the Buffalo Sabres. Could you go out and could you make a deal for a Casey Middlestat who's a pending restricted free agent? Maybe he's the guy who can step into a second role. Um, I, Johansson just doesn't fit here, and it's a blessing that Nashville has taken half of that $8 million salary off the table. He doesn't fit. Uh, he doesn't have the foot speed to keep up, and it, it seems as though it's kind of starting to eat at him. Again, he's a guy who's he's well-liked in locker rooms and has been for his career in Columbus and Nashville. It just feels as though he knows he's not the guy here. And I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can offload him this season. Like you tell me what team's going to take him and what you're going to have to give up as the ads, right? For a team that, I, as I said, they don't have a lot of things that they can give up right now. How are you going to sweeten the pot to move on from that player? Is is probably an off season situation. They'll try and bury him in the bottom six of the lineup if they go out and get a second line center. Henrique obviously is the biggest gem right now. I, I think that the foot speed is an issue there with Henrique. He's a better player at this point in his career than Johansson is. They do a lot of the same things. They can both play power play and penalty kill. They're both excellent on the faceoff dot. But but what this Avs team need, it, it's speed in the middle six. And adding Henrique, I don't think, uh, I, I don't really think addresses that issue. So I would look at if they make a move for second line center, look at pending restricted free agents, uh, Casey Middlestat's one. Maybe you could go out and get Morgan Frost from Philadelphia, although I don't really think he's on the uh, on the trade block. So those are the two guys that I'd, I'd take a pretty serious look at. There's a kid um, in the KHL right now playing for Torpedo. I believe Kovalenko is the last name that the Avs are super high on. He's starting to play a little bit more centered. He said that he wants to come over from the Continental League to the NHL once the season's over in Russia this year. So maybe that's the one that like nobody's thinking of that could fill in. But second-line center in the NHL is a vastly different role from what's happening in the K.
I do want to ask you about a couple more players. Let's start with Gabe Landeskog. Is there any chance that he's back in time for the playoffs? Um, well, there's certainly no chance that he's going to come back before the playoffs, and I don't know whether or not that's because he's not going to be healthy enough or because, well, the Avs don't have the cap space. Um, loopholes are super fun with the CBA. I, I think if he's he's healthy and he's ready, it'll be into the first round. We did get some good news last week. He's skating, and he was ahead of schedule as compared to when we first saw him last year on the ice. Uh, before the knee surgery so he looks better he looks more powerful he's not coming back before the end of the regular season there's an outside chance you see him will he be at 100 percent? i think that's an almost certainty that he won't be at 100 percent. we don't know what's going to go on with this this knee injury i had mark mathot on uh on my show probably seven or eight months ago to talk about the surgery mathot had the same exact surgery although it was over a decade ago now, and he came back and he played like three games and went, yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. It's a different athlete, different body, 10 years of technology and, and medical advances later, it might be a little bit different, but this is, the surgery is like a quality of life surgery. It's not get back to being one of the best left wings in the National Hockey League surgery. So it's the longevity, I, I'm not in too certain about but if you see him this year I, I put the odds at like 70 70% you see him play this year in the playoffs oh, and wow. it gets better okay. as they go deeper um, the other guy that um, I want to ask about is Nachushkin how difficult is it for you as uh, an analyst to talk about a player that's in the NHL NHL PA assistance program um, that has had some incidents um been involved in some incidents, off-ice incidents, and how difficult is it to discuss him from the perspective of, like, he's, he's, he's getting help right now, so you want to respect his privacy, and you know he's out for an indefinite period of time, and you know that, um, you know, he should be given the time that he needs to, to deal with his problems, but also, like, he's a super important part of that team. So what's it, how, what's it like for you to discuss Nachushkin? Well, I mean, he's vital, right? Like, you can look at the playoff run last year and say Val Nachushkin cost them the first-round series against Seattle. If, if just Nachushkin is back in that lineup and they still have to deal with the Kale McCarr suspension uh, after the hit last year, the, the late hit after the, the puck went out of, out of play, you could look at Nachushkin and say if he's in the, the series for seven games, Seattle doesn't win that thing. Do they get past Dallas? I Probably not, but they were so injured last year. I don't know. He is he's one of the guys alongside Lekkonen that make the middle six actually work because they're 200-foot players. We've now had the issue with two players here in Colorado this season with Sam Gerrard voluntarily going into that program uh, for, for issues stemming from alcohol abuse. He came back, and he's looked like roses since. It's difficult for me to sit and speculate as to what's going on with Nachushkin off the ice, but I, I mean, we we don't have to look very far, guys. Like it, it's very widespread. There's a huge issue around the National Hockey League, not just with the Abs, but uh, with all 32 teams around the league with cocaine and alcohol and uh, and painkiller abuse that you're seeing more and more players go in. Kuznetsov went in this year as well. Um, I, I try and keep it to how effective he is on the ice. It's it's just unfortunate that it's very clear that um, you have you have issues that have been seeded so deeply in this league that 
it took until 2024 for the league and the players association to really get on top of this stuff. And it's hurting the ads. It's hurting his team. I, I hope he gets the, the help that he needs, but this is like, this isn't like a 30 day process that you just go through and you're magically out of there. It's mm-hmm. gotta be something that not only he's taking the help from the, the organization, from the league, from the players association, but you also got to look at Val and say, listen, dude, if you want, if you want to fix this, this is up to you. This is long-term consistent therapy, right? It's just like going and seeing a therapist and talking to him. It's like, you don't go for, for two sessions and you're all good and you're cured for the rest of your life. You got to be on top of this stuff. And, and that's the question. Does Val Nichushkin really want to get top, on top of this? Does he want to get back to the top of his game, continue making the money, that long-term ticket that he signed two off-seasons ago? If the answer is yes, um, this team's going to be set up to win for a long time. If the answer is anything but 100% yes, I want to get back onto this, then we're going to be in this situation in the future. I remember watching the 2022 playoffs and even at the start, the way the abs looked – I remember thinking no one's beating this team. Like mm-hmm. the Avs are, the Avs are winning the Stanley Cup now. There was like maybe like one or two hiccups along the way, and they obviously had a, a pretty battle-tested opponent in the final in the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I never really wavered from the Avs are going to win the Cup, and I and I think I've even said like I think that Avs team was the best team of the salary cap era. There are some contenders for sure. Um, where is this current team compared to that juggernaut? Uh, they're they're behind it certainly, and it you had that you had that juggernaut happen before the flat cap and uh, before Nathan McKinnon was making twelve point six million dollars a year, and you also got Nazem Kadri on the best year of his career at eighty seven points. Then he breaks his hand after the the Evander Kane hit and comes back and scores one of the most famous goals in Avs history. It might be like the second or third famous goal in in the franchise's history behind the third overtime goal in 96 behind Sackick's, you know, fakes it, takes it and puts it between Steven's legs and up and over the glove hand of, of Marty Brodeur in 01. That, that cadre goal in overtime in game two might, or overtime in game three rather might be, might be number three you're missing a second line center and you will not find Nazem Kadri on the open market. You do not have Nazem Kadri on this team. So do I think that they can go 16 and four again? No, but the the big news was if you look at Darcy Kemper's performance in 2022, I, I looked back at it. He's, he had like the worst goaltending performance for a cup winning team dating back to like the Grant Fuhrer days. So um, they were able to overcome subpar goaltending. If they can get above average goaltending from Alexander Georgiev this year, I think they can balance out the fact that they don't have as deep of a scoring roster this year. It all comes down to health. If they are healthy, they can beat anybody in this league. And that's what happened with Vegas last year. Vegas was the most injured team in NHL history to make the playoffs, but they got healthy at the right time. If the Avs can go to the playoffs healthy – I'd be terrified to play them as another team. If they go in with any sort of injury to their top six or to their top four defensemen, then they're super gettable. Um, I, like, I think Vancouver's terrifying this year because of how well Thatcher Demko is playing. The big, the big hit on them, I'm assuming, up north is like, well, they haven't proven that they can do it. Are you just kind of waiting to see the, 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 the playoffs roll around here, or is there a – is there concern there about Vancouver? Does yeah, that, I think you, I think you nailed it. Like they haven't they haven't faced the yeah. real pressure. They have, Got we, it. we we don't know what 
their top players will do when the when the time comes for them to face real pressure. That's basically it. And I that's why, yeah, that's why Rick Tockett has been like, we need to learn how to play under pressure. And we didn't do oh, a great yeah. job of it yesterday when we allowed, you know, 10 goals in Minnesota. Yeah, it'll be a, a good measuring stick. I think for both teams tonight is that you're, if you're Vancouver, you're going into the toughest place to play in the national hockey league, a team that won a cup two years ago, a team that's got, a guy who very well could win a heart trophy. You're having a head-to-head battle um, to show who's going to win the Norris this year. And as it stands right now, I'm, I'm a Kale McCarr guy, but Quinn Hughes has my vote if I had one uh, for the Norris trophy this year. The guy's been an absolute freak. He also needs to give a call to his brother in, in New Jersey, his little brother Luke, and tell him how to expect physical contact in the National Hockey League because that guy gets blown up more than anyone. <laughs> he sure does, doesn't he? Uh, this year he's a hell of a player, but he just like doesn't expect contact. But that that might be the the new player in the new new era generation of the NHL yeah. this year. Um, yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I, I like Vancouver. I, I think they're good enough this year. It just doesn't happen often that a team that hasn't done it in the playoffs or hasn't gone through those growing pains in the playoffs gets it done in year one. Look at the Abs. It took them three seasons of losing in the second round to finally figure out how to get it done. A short answer to your question beforehand, how far are they off of the 22 Stanley Cup championship team? If they get it done, there's no shot they'll go 16-4. and No shot. Uh, Before we let you go, Alex, I did want to ask you as well about uh, Bowen Byram, of course, from BC, played his junior hockey here in Vancouver. I know Canucks fans always uh, interested on what Bowen Byram is doing. Still only 22. What's the role he's playing on this Avalanche team? How would you uh, assess his season? Uh, Byram's been up and down. There's been a lot of people who have been speculating that if they can go out and get a second-line center, Byram's going to have to be the guy that moves. He's on a bridge deal right now, under $4 million. He bet on himself after that cup championship run. And unfortunately, the, the story on him has been, been injuries. He hasn't mm-hmm. stayed fully healthy for the entirety of his career. He's still super, super young, which is why when, when people ask me, like, hey, would you trade him? You know, the Avs have so many good young defensemen. They've got a kid in the pipeline from Russia. They've got uh, the undrafted free agent from Cornell and Sam Malinsky that they really like. It seems as though Byram is becoming expendable. Um, he has not been great this season. He did have a meeting with, with Jared Bednar uh, and some of the assistant coaches like four days ago during the road trip to try and figure out what's going on with him. He responded with back-to-back games uh, that were his best of the season. I think it's too early to punt on a 22-year-old D-man. You just simply can't do it in this league. Look how long it took Victor Hedman to understand the league and then turn into the league's best for damn near a decade, right? Like, it takes guys four years to figure out how to truly play um, in the National Hockey League. I think you're seeing it with Quinn Hughes right now, right? Like, Quinn put up a bunch of points early on in his career, and he was he was looked at as that new age offensive defenseman, but he didn't defend particularly well. The reason why he's such a stud right now is because he learned to defend, and it takes years to do that at this level. I think the the organization is going to continue to be patient with him. He is cost controllable, and unfortunately for Bo is that he hasn't played up to top five pick potential where the Avs can then bridge deal him again into this UFA status after this bridge deal goes, where you're paying him essentially, you know, the, the Nathan McKinnon deal where he was underpaid for many years. That's, that's what they're going to hope for from Byron. As of right now, he's a middle pair defenseman, right? He is at 
at best, at very, very best, he's your number three. At worst on nights, he can be your number five. Um, they, we, they, they do a really weird thing in here in Colorado, man, where they, they run a three-man power play unit for power play two, which I, I'm not a huge fan of, but Byram's on that. Um, there's just it, it, The issue with him is that he's never going to get on the top power play right. unit here in Colorado with, with McCarr, and the number two, if McCarr's out, is Devon Taves, who's another stud. So um, I, I think his point production is, is a little capped here, but – I mean, if I'm if I'm McFarland or Sackick, I'm not moving on from that player unless it's for a center with term, and I know that I'm not going to hamstring my team in terms of the cap uh, going into the future. Alex, great stuff. Really appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully it's a good one. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. I'll be on any time. That is – thank you. Appreciate it. That is Alex uh, Ryan Niemi from 92.5 doing the Colorado Avalanche post-game show there. Uh, in Colorado. That was great analysis. It, it was. That was uh, really good for Alex. Adog put Alex on the keeper list. He is on the keeper list. He's on the keeper <laughs> list, yeah. Good energy. I always, when I was a producer, I would target radio people because it's like, okay, they understand right. the role. Yeah, they yeah, know yeah. what they're, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes writers, a little hit or miss. <laughs> radio, you have a baseline expectation. The analysts are always the best too. Sometimes the play-by-play guys are a little too hesitant to criticize. Yes. A little uh-huh, bit because uh-huh. they're like, I have to be on the plane with these guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna right? I talk to them all the time. Yeah. Okay. We l- listen. We got an open segment on the other side. Brendan Bachelor is going to join us in hour three at eight o'clock. Um, so let's dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butus in Vancouver. Online at Dunbar lumber.com I want to hear what you think about this Canucks team is this stretch of adversity actual adversity that they are enduring um are you confident that they will come out of this having learned something will it be a learning lesson or do you have legitimate concerns about this team after god forbid two straight losses for the Vancouver Canucks you're listening to the Halford and Prof Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Halford and Bruff here, Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. I'm filling in for Mike Halford. Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise. Add a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. 650 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line, and we've got uh, lots and lots of texts coming in, bro. By the way, you can send your What We Learn submissions in as well. We'll do that at 8.30, so still time to get those in. Hashtag WWL, uh, what you learned in the last 24 hours in sports. But, I mean, we broke down at length 
the bizarre Canucks game, 10-7 loss to the Minnesota Wild yesterday. We did that at length in the first segment, but there's still lots of takes, lots of things we didn't get to, uh, and lots of things that the listeners want to say uh, in the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, where do you want to start here with this one? Uh, well, there was one text that came in and said, um, I like how you guys didn't put any of the blame for yesterday on Casey DeSmith, and they were being sarcastic. They, yeah. they didn't like it. Yeah, um, we didn't have time to get into the goaltending because it took <laughs> us like 20 minutes to get through everything that happened, but yeah, he didn't play well. He didn't play well. And when you're under siege like the Canucks were, um, sometimes you need your goalie to make mm-hmm. a, a big save. Um, I think it was... Was it the tying goal? There was a one-timer in the slot, which was a nice shot, but it still just kind of like snuck through. Might have been the tying goal or the or the six-five goal. I can't remember which one it was. There they was all run together. Goals. Yeah, and and it just looked, yeah, it looked like he was as rattled as the team in front of him. And Casey DeSmith, for the most part, has been a really good story, but. I think we're starting to see some slippage from DeSmith. Certainly his save mm-hmm. percentage took a big-time hit yesterday. Um, it's all the way down to 896 now, which isn't great. And he started out well, and I think he was a big part of the Canucks being able to get off to the start that they did. But his next start will be interesting yeah. because it's still going to be important for the Canucks to have a reliable backup goaltender because for the same reasons. What if Demko gets hurt? Or you don't want to overplay Demko down the stretch. And you, don't forget the you Canucks need to are, keep him fresh for the, the playoffs. The Canucks are still going to be playing for something down the stretch. It's not like, well, they've made the playoffs, so no worries. You want to win the division. Now they've still got a pretty comfortable lead mm-hmm. in the division, although Vegas and Edmonton both won yesterday, so they lost a little bit of ground. Um Winning the division and having, first of all, winning the division, you want to do that because you're going to get an easier first-round matchup. But also, I think we all want to see Vegas and Edmonton play yep. each other in the first round as well. So the Canucks still have a lot to play for down the stretch. Yeah, they need to be able to rely on Casey DeSmith. Not so much, like I agree with you about, you still want to win your division. You would love to win the conference, so you need him to be picking up points. But I think the biggest thing is you just want to feel confident giving Thatcher Demko days off, right? Because that's the number one priority is keeping him fresh, keeping him rested, going into the playoffs. Now, with Casey DeSmith, and I agree, obviously, like, look, he did not play well. I did see, you know, a lot of people were saying like, oh, you know, there's random bounces off skates and things, but... At least one of them. I think it was the one that went off Marco Rossi's skate. I mean, that's also right along the ice. You feel like the goalie has to be in position to stop that as much as it is a random bounce. Two big lines of criticism that I've seen directed at Rick Tockett coming out of that game are, why didn't he pull to Smith and why didn't he call a timeout? I have a lot more time for the, why didn't he call a timeout? then why didn't he pull to Smith? Because you're giving Thatcher Demko a day off. They're playing in Colorado tonight. That's a brutal situation to put Thatcher Demko in. And I will say the other thing is, as much as as DeSmith did not play well, you know, Talkett avoided criticizing the refs, I think because he doesn't want to give his team an easy out. And I think it's the same thing if you pull the goalie you're kind of implicitly hanging it all into Smith. Like, yeah. hey, guys, yeah, I mean, what are Not you going to do? What are you going to do? do? We need a save. Yeah, DeSmith let you down. Sorry about that. Here, go try with Demko. 
I think it's the exact right thing not to give the team that excuse. Say, no, no, mm. no, no. Yeah, your goalie didn't get you a save. You still have to go out and find a way not to implode in that situation. So I have no problem whatsoever with Tockett leaving DeSmith in for that game. Uh, the timeout would have been probably best taken after the Tying Wild had goal. tied. Yeah. Because uh, after the 6-5 goal, they got the hats on the ice delay. <laughs> yep. Was that Erickson Eck? That was his hat trick, right? There's three so, hat yeah. tricks. Three so hat tricks. JT Miller was the first one, then, then Erickson Eck, and then Kaprizov at the end. Right. Yeah. So they did get the hat delay to pull themselves together. Unfortunately, the Wilds still scored two more times after that. Six yep. goals in less than six minutes. I think I read somewhere that that's the fastest six goals that the NHL has had in the last 10 years. Woo. It felt like that. Um, Here's one that I want to read. Um, it's from Al from Nelson, and he's talking about the the Canucks record against the top teams in the league, and I won't go through all the records because I want to fact check those. But the notion that this team, and this is Al writing, still has to prove it can win consistently against legit contenders before I'll take this whole quote-unquote first overall narrative seriously uh, Al goes on to say, love the team this year, best lineup and style of play we've had in years. I just wish we could win more of the big games with our best players at their best. Um, yeah, they they have struggled in some big games against some good teams. They have, but even in They've that, also beaten some good that's teams. That's the thing, and even in that text, Al says, you know, aside from the opening wins against the Oilers, well, why are we leaving? Like, the Oilers are a good team. Yeah. They didn't start like it, but mm -hmm. part of the reason they struggled is because the Canucks beat them a bunch of times at the beginning of the season. I, so I, I, don't, I don't think you leave those wins out and say, oh, well, those don't really count. I officially switched my mindset from waiting for the other shoe to drop to, whoa, these guys might actually be legit good when they went on that Eastern road trip and dominated New Jersey mm -hmm. and granted New Jersey was banged up and New Jersey might not even make the playoffs this year. Um, but, but they then beat, they beat the Rangers. But They're a really good team. They beat the Rangers and then they dominated the Islanders. That was a very impressive road trip to me. And it, and it wasn't just, and it's, and it's also not just the fact that their overall record is so good this season. I think up until these last few games, not only did they get off to a great start, they've been steadily improving in some areas. Mm -hmm. Their five-on-five -five game has improved. Their penalty kill had been improving, and then I jinxed them uh, two games ago after the first um, PK against the Jets. I was like, it's nice to finally watch a competent yes. PK. And then two you power ruined it. I ruined it. And then two power play goals went in against the Jets, and then like a hundred went in against them yesterday. Granted, it's tough to kill off five on three, but I I, I did think there I, I saw like it wasn't you know early on people were talking about PDO, and I was like yeah 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 maybe a lot of this they'll is, slow down. is luck yeah. and, they'll, and they'll slow down, but you know even yesterday in this game and even against Winnipeg, five on five overall. They've been good. They've been the better team. It has been the special teams that have let them down. It's it's the it's too many penalties. You can put that on the Canucks. You can put that on the refs. You can put it on both if you want. But their penalty kill and power play have not been getting it done. 
The other criticism that I've seen leveled at Talkit, and a few people have texted in, is isn't he the guy that runs yep. PP1? He, he So he's got the first unit power play, Talkit, and the Sedins are apparently responsible for the second unit power play. So, yeah, if it's his responsibility and the first power play unit isn't working, then it's part of his responsibility to get that unit going in the right direction because right now, even though – you know, I didn't think it was like the major issue yesterday. It was against Winnipeg. The first unit power play has not typically been getting the job done. No, it hasn't. It's been cold, and that's been a big issue. This is. I think you're right about this team steadily improving in a lot of areas to the point where, I know I'm saying this after they just gave up 10 goals yesterday, but I think they're a legitimately really good defensive team, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. Mm-hmm. Penalty kill, still a work in progress, but I think 5-on-5. Five five, but they miss Susie, they, they miss, miss Dakota, miss Dakota Joshua, Joshua right now. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, There's some key penalty killers out of the lineup right now, and JT Miller, frankly, hasn't been a big part of the penalty kill as it's been improved. And he's and then, been kind of put into service now. And and he made a pretty big mistake yeah. yesterday when he put the puck over the glass. Well, and one of the, the, the more tic-tac-toe of the Jets power play goals, I think Miller was out there as well. And you know, not that it was his fault necessarily, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's a reason his minutes have been scaled back. Yeah. And I think you've seen that over uh, over the last couple of games. But, you know, again, I just I would push back a little bit on the, the can't beat good teams they beat Edmonton they beat Carolina twice they've beat Dallas they've beat the Rangers there's a few that stand out I understand that and look tonight will be a good test but look of course you're going to have a slightly less impressive record against like the top eight teams in the NHL they're really good you're not going to blow them out and run up the score like you do on the Sharks or the Ducks or other teams that's just how it goes I don't buy that as uh oh this team is a these te- you know these guys are frauds because they don't have this incredible record against the top teams. Nathan and Victoria watching that game yesterday, I saw the team lose composure in a way that I think was disappointing, but not a throwback to the slump shoulders of yesteryear. The boys were still playing with pace, but one infused with panic that led to costly <laughs> turnovers. I think the nerves that we saw can be channeled into something positive, and I'm glad there are plenty of big games left in the regular season for these guys to hammer it out. There's a few other people saying, um, uh, Andrew and Sun Peaks texted in and said, I'm actually glad we're starting to see a little adversity. I hope teams kick the Canucks around a little more, in fact. This team needs to feel some pain and grow, and I'd rather that happen well before the playoffs. Now, I said this before all this happened. I said it coming out of the All-Star break, and I kind of said it flippantly. And at times I regret seeing it because it was half serious, but also half joking. Like, and and we referenced the Boston Bruins having that dream season yep. last year, and then they go into the playoffs and they get the three one lead, so they're still not facing adversity. And then they're like, "Oh my God, we lost game five and six. And wait a minute, we we we, we just our, lost se- game our season's, season's over. over. Like, <laughs> what? what 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 just happened? Um, and so it was kind of under the guise of, 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 of that not happening to the Canucks. But it's frustrating to go through it when you're going through it. And the Canucks are having their composure tested. Mm-hmm. They're having their reliance and trust in the structure tested. And they're also having their depth tested a little bit. Not to the extent that some of the other top teams in the NHL have had it tested, but... Susie being out yeah. is um, 
testing them defensively on the PK, but also off the rush. 100%. We're seeing some I, rush goals go in against them. Um, Hughes and Hronick were guilty parties yesterday. We've seen, you know, we saw in the Winnipeg game that Noah Juleson made some mm-hmm. mistakes against the rush. And I do wonder if games like yesterday and maybe even games like Saturdays against Winnipeg will spur management into trying a little bit harder to get a guy like Chris Tanev. Yeah. Well, and because it's not just that maybe the uh, the shine comes off Noah Juleson a little bit and you do feel like you need that upgrade on your blue line, but it's specifically the composure element, right? And mm-hmm. that's what makes Tanev so unique because I think sometimes you go out and you target, you know, oh, hey, this guy's a, a veteran and a, a playoff performer, but you don't know actually how that player is going to fit in with your team, right? They might come in and it might not be a perfect fit and you might not get the boost that you were hoping from this, you know, really well-respected veteran. The unique thing about Chris Tanev is you do know, you know that he has that relationship with your captain, with Brock Besser, with Elias Pettersson, with JT Miller. He has that established relationship with them. So I think you have an incredibly high degree of confidence that he is going to come in and not just help you on the ice, but be a guy who maybe in a game like yesterday, maybe in a game against the win, like Saturday against the Jets, could be the one to stop things from snowballing, right? Could be the guy to help out the leadership group a mm-hmm. little bit to make sure it doesn't turn into uh, to a fiasco out there. And I think you're 100% right about the rush defense as well. Because I look at that game against the Jets, and it's Noah Juleson out there, and if Carson Soucy's healthy, he might not even be in the lineup. And Carson Soucy is so good at defending off the rush, mm-hmm. and instead it's Noah Juleson out there, two goals against in the third period swing that game. Yeah, and and listen, we're all we're all happy with the development that we've seen out of Noah Jewelson. Huge. Like I think he's been terrific this season. But who would you rather have in a big game? Noah Jewelson or Chris Tanev? I think the answer is obvious there. Uh Austin and Langley, how much do we blame Dan Riccio? 100%. He's Owen to calling games. I frequently he, thought that. Yeah. It's his fault. This guy really. blew it. Really. Yeah. Got his yeah. big shot, and he uh, couldn't get the team to, to a couple of wins. Yeah. So I think Batch is back on the call. I believe he is, yeah. yes. They, they brought him back. They're like, yeah, okay, like we got to change something here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Your, your paternity leave Apo- is over after two your, days. Apologies You can bring the child. baby. We don't care. Just get <laughs> yeah. in here. The baby can be the color. I, yeah. I know. We need you <laughs> back. We <laughs> yeah. think of that power play. Like, eh, pretty good analysis, actually. <laughs> um, James, See, there, there you're laughing. Right, that was a, yeah, that uh, was, that was a real authentic, organic laugh. Yeah. Right I there. laugh all the time. Yeah. What's that G- G- text are talking about? Yeah, James and Qualicum Beach. Uh, it's times like this I really appreciate a coach like Talkit. These boys have drifted away from what brought them success, and Talk never lets them get away with it, even if it's a game we won. I'm not worried. I I just really like that Talkit is not letting any semblance mm-hmm. of victim mentality enter the equation. You know, you said, we're not going to put this on Casey DeSmith. We're not going to put it on the refs. Yeah. And those of you that think that Talkit is just like choosing his words carefully because he doesn't want to get fined, 100% disagree with you. Like he might be disappointed with a few calls here and there, but the learning lesson, the lesson is like – 
That happens uh-huh. in games. You know, you can prepare for a game and be like, all right, we've got the best plan. And then you suffer an injury or you get a bad bounce or the refs blow it sometimes, right? Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to freak out? Because the coach that's standing behind the bench and freaking out at the referees or losing his mind, you know, muttering under his breath, they're like, God, now we need to get a save here. Like, yeah. come on, come on, buddy. Like, that will cue your team to also lose its composure. And this is also on this relatively newly formed leadership group to maintain their composure and to act like they've been there before. The Canucks have a new captain in Quinn Hughes. They have JT Miller there. They have Elias Pettersson there. These are, this is the leadership group, you know, and and it's their responsibility to make sure that things don't get out of control here. So they're being, they're being tested and, and I welcome this test. And as much as you want to be able to turn momentum and stop the slide within a game, the really important thing is to be able to do it between games, right? Because ultimately, as, as disastrous as yesterday was and as much as it got away from them, it only cost you two points, right? Like, that's all it can do. That's as bad as one game can be. You're still only losing two, two points. The, th- the place where it gets really concerning and where it could really get concerning in a playoff series is is if you let it spill over into the next game. And I think that's why tonight is so important. Mm-hmm. And, man, it's a tough one. Yep. It's really, really a, a tough challenge for them going into Colorado, back-to-back, all of that. But it's so important for them to, me to that, avoid that slippage. To me, they don't need to necessarily win the game, even though we don't want to see them lose three in a row for the first time all season. They just need to clean it up. Yeah, Just clean it up and get back to the way that – they've been playing before where you could watch their team and be like, wait a minute, are these guys legitimately good defensively? Just play play like they've played so often this year. Play like yourselves, the, the team you've established yourself to be. Don't get rattled. Don't lose your composure. And mm. maybe you don't get the win. That's fine. I think people can handle that if you have your first three-game losing streak. But it's more about the process and it's more about maintaining that sense of composure uh, and that sense of control. Brendan Batchelor, as we mentioned, he's going to be back on the call today. Uh, and we he will join us in the next segment we'll get his thoughts i don't know how much he, he had a chance to watch with <laughs> of the last couple of games with a new baby at home but we'll see what batch uh thinks about what the canucks have done recently jan pro the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial if your workplace demands a clean environment contact jan pro for a free no obligation quote visit janpro.ca we'll do what we learned at 8 30 so send those texts in 650 650 to the dunbar lumber text line brendan batchelor on the other side here on Sportsnet 650.